0: Welcome to the Two Brothers and Their Sports Podcast. Unfortunately, it's going to be just me for this week. Arsh will be returning next week. But on the show today, it's very, very packed. We're going to start off by talking about Juan Soto getting acquired by the San Diego Padres right at the MLB trade deadline. We're also going to talk about the Miami Dolphins, their punishment for tampering, losing a first round pick this year and a third round pick next year. We're also going to talk about, or I am, also going to talk about Bill Russell, the unfortunate passing of him, but his legacy that he left with his eleven championships and so much more, and then finally the impact of Deshaun Watson's suspension. So how how the Cleveland Browns are going to schedule their games from now on, how how they how their games and how their players and how their roster will, will really change with a six game suspension to Deshaun Watson. But starting off with Juan Soto, this was a very very big acquisition for the San Diego Padres. Tatis obviously has been hurt because of his wrist. Manny Machado made the all-star game, so that's a great foundation to build upon. Now you add a young star, which, for a little bit of background for you guys who haven't been following this situation that much, Juan Soto uh, is a superstar for the Washington Nationals. Now, he entered free agency or free agency very, very early because of the fact that they could not uh, they could not reach a deal, so they offered the Washington Nationals offered him a 15 year contract for 440 million dollars. Now, if you do the math, that's a little bit more than 30 million a year, which Juan Soto is definitely a, worth a lot more than that. Now, we don't know really why he turned down that contract. The National GM said that was that contract; those details were not supposed to be leaked, so that is a very big deal on that side. But Juan Soto obviously left for whatever reason. The Nationals are in complete rebuild mode, so they traded away their superstar 23-year-old, who's already a top 10, top five, probably, player in the game right now, to the San Diego Padres. And the Padres ended up giving five, uh, five minor leaguers, or five prospects, I should say, and then one person on their active 26-man roster. Now I am I fully I love this move for the Padres. I'm going to grade this an A or an A plus because the Padres not only do they get a young star and a young superstar in Juan Soto to build upon. I mean, in their outfield that just makes the outfield a lot stronger. Manny Machado and uh, Fernando Tatis both play in the infield. So, adding someone back there who has a big arm, can hit very well, is great for your roster. So, having him in, not only that, but what they gave up. They gave up five prospects for a guy who's already, right now, 23 years old, already top five player in the MLB. So, I love this move. Um, Even though they gave up guys that could become very good, and guys that have the potential of being better than Juan Soto, because we don't really know how they're going to play out. But guys like that, you're giving up. But for a guy who's proven, who's won a World Series in 2019, and has had so much success with a team that is on the decline, and he's still playing very well. So I love this move for the Padres. And then for the Nationals, it's also a great move. I would say an A- at least, because they get five very good prospects, a proven uh, pitcher, I think it was, off their 26-man roster, Um and then they give up one guy, but they're building up for the future. They're completely in rebuild mode. So adding a, adding those prospects. That imagine this when they come up, they also gave up Josh Bell. But when those prospects come up, it's I think it's two two infielders, one outfielder, and two pitchers. So adding that when they actually get to the MLB, if they get to the MLB, that would be a great thing. But that's the problem. If that's why I love this move a lot more for the Padres, getting him at the trade deadline like literally hours before, because the Nationals were trying to get the most value out of him. And still, I think Juan Soto is worth way more. So great move for the Padres and for the Nationals, but the Nationals are going to have to do a very good job of developing those guys to bring them up and be a contender in the future. Right now, they're not at all. They traded away, even their second best player, not pitcher, second best player, Josh Bell, they already traded away, and in, since that 2019 win, the World Series win, they've traded away four of their big stars, um, so, or I guess not, they didn't keep them, um, some to free agency, some trade, so it's a great move for the Padres, unfortunate move that the Nationals had to do that, because they really had no leverage, Juan Soto was not going to Um but for the future, it's a great move for the Nationals. And now we move on to the Miami Dolphins. Their tampering situation. So this was a big deal in 2019 and 2021 or 2020. The uh, it would, came out the NFL had like did an investigation and came out that they were tampering with trying to get Tom Brady while he was under contract with the New England Patriots. So that's a big deal. Get trying to get a guy who's already under contract. So that's that. That's a one problem. Then they also tried to get Sean Payton later on too. Um, re- I don't know if you guys remember. He tried to. There was that huge controversy um, two or three years ago where he was going to come to the Cowboys, but then he re-signed with the Saints. But there was so much news about if he would get traded or not. So there was tampering on both with both Tom Brady and Sean Payton. So they lost. They they suspended their own. I guess suspended because he doesn't play. But suspended his owner. Their owner to October, um, October November, and then they also lost a 2023 first round pick and a 2024 third-round pick, and they uh, they fined Stephen Ross $1.5 million. Now, for an, for an owner that has billions of dollars, $1.5 million does not really mean anything. In the grand scope of things, yes, it does, but for the guy that's paying, no, not really. Um, and then the 2023 first-round pick, and just, I I don't know how many people realize this, the Miami Dolphins have two first-round picks. So getting rid of one, I mean, it's, it is a big deal. A first-round pick has huge potential, especially in this upcoming draft where there's so many young guys that are very, very good. Generational talent is, a, is something that's thrown around a lot. But there's these guys coming up that are very, very looking. They're, they're probably going to be very good in the NFL. So, but you still have one first-round pick and then a, a 2024 third-round pick. Now, what I'm trying to get at here is the Dolphins, yes, this happened, but imagine if that tampering thing with Tom Brady... If they actually ended up getting Tom Brady. And they actually get, ended up getting Sean Payton. Which they didn't in this case. But imagine if they did. The, the punishment is only a first round and third round pick... For a, the GOAT and a very, very good coach. Top 10 coach of all time. I mean, if I'm the Miami Dolphins... And and that's the all the punishment I'm going to get... I would, I would not keep doing that. But if there's a guy that I really, really want... I would be all for trying to get that guy and bring them in, um, because that's just a punishment that is. I don't think it seems worth it for the. I mean, it's so worth it for the Miami Dolphins, and the NFL just did not punish, did not punish them enough. I should say, it wasn't a severe punishment that the Miami Dolphins are not going to say, okay, we can absolutely not do this again, or any other NFL team is going to say we are absolutely not going to do this. Now, if this keeps happening. And maybe if they got Tom Brady and Sean Payton, and this investigation and these uh, conclusions came out, then maybe the result would be a lot bigger. But as long as you have a chance of getting two guys, um, two guys, and then all you do is lose a first-round pick, where you have two of them and a third-round pick, which usually it's a good—that's a good value pick. Um, but usually, obviously, it goes first is the best, seventh is the worst. But um, anyway, the best. That's, like, for the Dolphins, it's, I'm not going to say best case scenario, but it's a very good scenario, and especially for their owner, who lost only $1.5 million of his huge net worth, and then also, like, he's suspended until October, which is only a month after the MLB, I mean, after the NFL season starts. That's great. And looking at the Miami Dolphins now, because I just want to cover a little bit of how, like. While we're on the topic of Miami Dolphins, it's been a hot topic of Tyreek Hill, uh, Jalen Waddell, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, how they're going to do in the NFL season. So I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. So I think with the pieces they currently have around them, and especially their defense, Xavier Howard, who was a Defensive Player of the Year candidate every single year pretty much, but especially two years ago. Um, And then you obviously their offense is great. They just acquired Tyreek Hill. I think that the Dolphins are poised for a lot of success, and this is why I think this really matters. Because imagine if you had Sean Payton in this case, or Sean Payton and Tom Brady, or one of the two on your team this year. That's that's a Super Bowl. They're already very close to a Super Bowl contention, to Super Bowl contention. But right now, if they got those two player, two, those two guys, that's a Super Bowl team right there, with Tyree Kill, obviously, and then Jalen Waddle, and then a great, uh, it's okay offensive line, but a great defense. That's just a recipe for success right there, which, and that's why I think this tampering punishment is not going to be great. I mean, look at it, the Dolphins' 2023 first-round pick is probably going to be late, right, because they're going to be very good. I think they're going to make a play, they're going to have a playoff berth, so that's going to be a late pick, but not only that, um, if you were able to get those two guys on your roster, that's that's already a, a top five roster in the NFL right there. It's already top fifteen, top ten. So that's why I don't think this punishment is severe enough. I think it's it, it dep- because they find a good amount, but it's for who they're finding too. So I think the NFL's really got to get more not creative, but they've got to like they've got to understand the severity of when things happen. Like if it's worth it for the NFL team to keep doing it like, for the Miami Dolphins to keep doing it, because in this case, I would argue it absolutely is worth it for the Miami Dolphins to keep doing it, because, um, to keep tampering, obviously it's not a great thing for the sport, but specifically for the Miami Dolphins, as long as they have a chance at getting one of those great guys, um, in, in the future, it's definitely going to be worth it no matter what, um, no matter what the punishment is, unless it gets a lot more severe, which right now it's not. Moving on to Bill Russell, unfortunately, he passed away at the age of eighty-eight years old. As a huge Celtics fan, that was a loss from a, a big like. I was walking down the stairs at that point. I saw it on my phone, and I just stopped. It's a huge loss for the uh for the Celtics community, the NBA community, and just sports in general. He was the first uh, African American coach um in the in all I think all the major sports, but especially in the NBA. He was an eleven-time um, NBA champion, obviously they won 8 straight um, and he was—he has more rings than he can even fit on his fingers, not to mention 2 NCAA championships and so many other accolades so he he's definitely going to be very dearly missed and the impact he left on the game um, he led the, Bo- I mean the Boston Celtics think about it, have 17 championships 11 of them came with Bill Russell Bill Russell was a leader of 8 like, an 8-peat. Like, just think about that. How hard it is for NBA teams to, two, to like, go back-to-back. Or 3-peat. 8-peat with Bill Russell. Um, and it's great. And when I was talking to some some my, especially my brother, but some of my friends about this, um, just, I was thinking about, like, it's so good that he got to see the NBA 75th season and the NBA 75th anniversary and the All-Star game uh, commemoration and all that. Because he's definitely, in, he's a top 10 player of all time, I think. Top 15 at least, top 10 definitely. So it's a big loss. We saw how many NBA, not just NBA guys, but sports guys in general, athletes, were tweeting about this, saying how big of a loss it's going to be. And I don't think, I can't even state it in words. If However much I try to state this, it's going to be understated. Bill Russell is, he was a very, very intelligent intelligent athlete intelligent person and a pioneer in the sports world um not only as a player but as a coach and as what he achieved in his career and coaching is unprecedented no one's ever i don't think ever going to win 11 championships the closest right now is michael jordan with six so it's a big loss for the whole sports community but hopefully he hopefully his family um i I'm I, I send my prayers and wishes to them right now because it's a very difficult time, but hopefully he rests in peace because he is a great person. And finally, Deshaun Watson, and this was this was I think the big news of the week. And I'm I'm not gonna talk about the, the, the lawsuit because we all know how that the outcome the outcome was six games suspended by Sue L. Robinson that, that uh came out on Monday. But I'm not going to be talking about that. I'm, I'm going to talk, touch a little bit on the NFL, how what, what they're going to do and what they want to Sean Watson, how long to him to be suspended. But I want to focus more on the Cleveland Browns impact, like how this will impact Deshaun Watson in terms of his playing career and how it will impact the Cleveland Browns playoff hopes. So starting with the Cleveland Browns, we know that the Cleveland Browns, they took a huge shot on Deshaun Watson. Five years two hundred thirty million dollars all guaranteed fully guaranteed um and they just traded for him they traded three first two or three first round picks just to get him and this was before this ruling came out, so it was a huge huge risk trying to get a guy that had all these lawsuits with him now again I'm not going to talk about the lawsuits because that's a very controversial issue, but talking about detron talking about the Cleveland browns they um, again remember they got amari cooper they uh so they got Amari Cooper, they improved their offense. Their offensive line's already top top 3 in the whole NFL. They have two great running backs and really the weakness on their offense and when it's when it's when it's a wide receiver, which it is, it's not that easy to fix, but it's easier I would say than other positions. So having a roster that great with playoff hopes that Baker Mayfield 2 years ago or 3 years ago took to the playoffs. And beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, who were thirteen and three. So it's already a great roster. Yes, they lost Jarvis Landry and OBJ, but they got Amari Cooper. Obviously, it does not make up. I don't think Amari Cooper's even better than OBJ when well, then OBJ was at that point. But he's definitely better than Jarvis Landry was. So getting a guy like that is great. And then Deshaun Watson and and the the Cleveland Browns. Their first six games, I think it's a three. They have a with Jacoby Brissett, who his career. Um, he averages like a, if you if you average his win loss total for a season, it's seven. It's it's like seven and eight. It's very close to to five hundred. So he's a very capable quarterback. Remember with New England and with Miami, he was not bad at all. He was just a backup quarterback because he's not a guy that can start. But if you have, a, I mean, their first three games with Jacoby Brissett, the the Cleveland Browns, it looks like they can go three and three. Um, and if they're in three, if they're three and three. And Deshaun Watson takes over week seven, which right now that's the current ruling. Uh, he, if he takes over week set week seven, and then he has eleven weeks, including week seven, to play, or, or actually ten because of the bye week. That's that's the That's the ideal scenario for the Cleveland Browns because they knew he was going to get suspended, and so taking a shot like like for that guy and having it not pay off because it didn't pay off. You you lost six games from Deshaun Watson. Um, he got suspended six games, obviously. But having having like the minimum punishment um, in the Cleveland Browns eyes, and then they still have um, him for more than half the season. Now think about it. They acquired this guy with for a lot of for so much compensation, um, and they had to. He hadn't played football in a whole year. Now imagine if he didn't play football for a whole nother year. That's two years of your prime that you're not in. You haven't played organized football at all. So. And and even like a year and a half is still crazy. But usually NFL quarterback primes are three, four, maybe five years. If you take two two of those years away, and the first year or the last year he played with the Texans, he was that he was a top five quarterback in the whole NFL. So that's three years of a prime already gone. If if he was a suspended a whole year, the Cleveland Browns got only half, not even half a year. So it's a very good situation for them because they can continue, and I think they can progress a lot better now. And that division, because of this ruling, just got so much more competitive because it was thought before Deshaun Watson would only get would get a year, and now that's only six games. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot more competitive. Um, and I'm not gonna doubt. I'm not gonna get into what it should be. Or, I'm just gonna say the NFL wants it to be a whole year. They're uh, they're going to. Obviously, they're going to challenge this ruling. But I will say that the judge who made this decision had the most knowledge of both sides out of anyone in this whole world. So that ruling, we can't really question that ruling because she's the one, Sue Al Robinson, is the one that had all the knowledge. So I'm not going to question the ruling or what happened in the past with Deshaun Watson. Just focus on the NFL and the impact. Now for, now for Deshaun Watson, this again... I mean, I don't know how he's going to be feeling. I'm not trying to guess at what he's feeling. But he's allowed to practice with the team, and he's allowed to, like, obviously take first-team reps, But and he's allowed to return Week 7. So for Deshaun Watson, it's a great scenario as well because he's able to play, the Cleveland Browns wanted him to play, and he gets more years of his prime. Now, the fact that the Cleveland Browns took a shot and did fully guaranteed money, is very that's a crazy idea to me taking a, getting a guy who had some you really didn't know what was going to happen at the time and guaranteeing every single penny of his contract um that's a huge risk for me um but the Cleveland Browns did that and if he doesn't get suspended for if he gets suspended for more than a year obviously you still have to pay him that money because it's guaranteed but either way the Cleveland Browns right now with an elite quarterback i think they have a chance at playoff contention and Not not Super Bowl contention this year, but I think they will get a playoff berth if Deshaun has only suspended six games. If he's suspended a whole year, I don't think, at that point, I think that the Cleveland Browns made a huge mistake um, trying to trade or trading for him when you lose a guy. You use two years out of his whole prime where it's only three or four years.